Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast, episode 113. I'm here with Peter Bernstein, Dr. Peter Bernstein, and I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We are going to be talking today about this kind of change that's coming through the country. Uh, we're kind of nearing the end of the pandemic, okay. although the effects of it are still definitely with us and we've been noticing some of those particularly and we want to talk about that today right but I got to say I mean we're all really great we're all really grateful that uh, this thing is finally coming to an end it's been so hard on everybody and it's caused a real distortion and we've all gotten used to the traumatic experience of just this thing's been with us over a year and a half <clears throat> it's been rough and so, I mean, who could, who wouldn't feel relieved? And I mean, relieved, I've always yeah. been one who hated the mask, so I'm really relieved. Um, so, I, yes, but it's, there's things we, well, I want to talk to. First of all, aren't we all grateful that this thing is coming to an end? That the I vaccine mean, was wow. developed as quickly as it oh, was. Oh, my God. And has been distributed so I am so grateful. So well. Yeah, I am. And for anybody who hasn't taken it, I know we all have our own choices. I get that. I just encourage you to get the shots. And uh, I've talked to people that don't believe it and they won't do it. I, okay, it's a free world, and certainly we don't dictate that. But what a relief it is when you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. So anyway, um, and I know I have friends. My own son was a real slow guy on that one. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, it sure was a relief to all of our staff and all of our families when we, we decided to take it. It wasn't mandated here. No, but We're not we, an institution. We very much wanted to be able to be protected because we were caring for Lynn. Yeah, and other, yeah, I mean, that's number one, that but was also one. we were dealing with other folks too, and we were taking precautions, but there was no guarantees. But anyway, you brought up, brought up a good subject today, and I'll tell you why, a couple of things. Um, the pandemic is coming to an end. We're really happy about that. Who, who wouldn't be? Um, and it's had some very traumatizing effects. Uh, one of the things is we have never dealt with so much grief personally and helping others to deal with so much grief. I've, in 51 years in this work, I've never seen it quite like this. Mm -hmm. um, even though the pandemic is coming to an end, the death rate seems to continue to climb. It's yeah. over 600,000 people have died in a year and a half from it. Now, that's an enormous number to me it is. of people who have died. And they, they say, I don't remember, forgive me, it's not accurate, maybe. They say, and the extended families and those that are affected, the numbers are more like 7 million people are being affected by the grief. If you figure that everyone who had died had close family members and loved ones, that would multiply so many times. And all the caregivers. That's right. It's, it's huge. Um, so there's been a lot of changes that this thing has brought about. Now, we, you know, we've... Where's, oh, I had a book I wanted to uh, bring in today. But, you know, I'll tell you what we've discovered. Um, grief is really a terribly difficult thing to deal with. It really. Is. It is. One of the hardest things, and I've dealt with emotions and trauma for a long time. Uh, we've developed an ability to be resilient in helping others because we're affected by it. I have never seen such a devastating kind of experience as grief and death. Um, certainly in my my life, with my poor my wife, I shouldn't say I'm, I'm the one who's poor, I'm still here. She's in a better place. But we dealt with that and taking care of her for years, and the pandemic certainly added a level of anxiety mm -hmm. 
Um, we were surrounded by one, including Jenny and Steve's wife and others. Wonderful caregiving teams, remarkable angels. Um, so I, I got to say, uh, it's been rough. And um, but here's the thing that I, I I do realize is it's been rough for a lot of people, and yet with all the the loss and grief and dying, how many people really talk openly about what they're going through? And I would say just as a man on the street, not too many are very open about that. I think you're right. And um, and with one, here's my exception, but with me, people are very open. And I don't mean because I'm a professional, because I do everything I can to get rid of that stigma. Mm -hmm. And um, people are comfortable with me. I'm also more open. If people ask me how I'm doing around here, they really care. That doesn't mean I'm going to bleed and hemorrhage all over them. But I tell them the truth. And they ask me how I'm doing, I tell them. Um, and it seems to give them a permission to do the same thing. So what I've become aware of is, there. It, it's one of the things that's so important to getting through this difficulty and the after effects, is to have a more open dialogue with each other, to show our caring and compassion and, and understanding of what we're going through, what we've gone through, and what others are going through. I just wanted to stop for a moment because what you said is really important and one of the things I hope people will remember after today and that is that talking as painful as it is about the grief that you're feeling is going to be a healing positive thing. It can be. It can be and you know we, we've gotten a lot of, we work closely with hospice here, we work closely with hospice in Florida and with my mother and all of them are remarkable people. And all the literature you read about, I mean, they talk about it. They're the experts. Um, and they talk about the different ways to handle bereavement and grief. It's excellent. They're great materials. Um, and they're wonderful people for the most part, truthfully. But one of the things that I, I want to, it sounds like a rule, but let's make sure you are open. Everybody should be open about this and talk about it. Well, here's what I've learned. Sometimes, personally, I'd rather they didn't because so many people talked to me and knew my wife and love her. She made a great impact on a lot of people. And sometimes it's harder for me when they do ask. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them, you know what? I'm having a hard time today talking about it. Maybe we could talk about it all the time. But there's an open dialogue. And they usually, by the way, not usually, always respect it. They respect that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them that ask are very serious. But, and, and seriously, um, genuinely interested. I'm the same way. When I ask them how they're doing and, and, what the, and, what the, and they tell me what's going on, I, I do listen. And I am interested. Instantly. Because I can recognize what's really genuine, um, really important. And most of the other things just fall away immediately. So I know how important that is, and I know how important it will be for all of us to get through the effects of this pandemic, not just the disease, but the incredible losses that people have experienced in so many ways, loss of jobs, careers, loved ones. My God, it's just unbelievable. Finances, everything. It's, yeah. it's been a nightmare. Yeah. And yet we are going to get through it. And we're going to learn from it. And that's the amazing thing, because we've learned a lot already. Yeah. And there's so much to be learned. And there is hope in the midst of all of this. Spiritually, emotionally, um, physically, there is hope. 
and yet when we're dealing with it we're we're living under some pretty dark clouds when you're living you're you're dealing with grief it's pretty dark stuff and yet the attitude needs to be that there will be some hope light will shine through i'm a spiritual man i believe god does care and is merciful and he does give us the hope and he helps us get through it um, when our my strength fails and i'm worn out one of the things I know is that God's working. It's his strength that I'm depending on. And it seems to be true because I'm able to do things now I never would have anticipated. And yet, yeah, I am grieving. I love my wife. We've got a picture right over here. Um, we, we, I love seeing her. To me, my love for her hasn't diminished one bit. And, uh, and I am able to go on with life. And I am able to see hope and new things for the future. So even when what we're talking about today, we've all had a really hard time. There's no one that's escaped us. Um, the only people I think there are the ones that are living in the deni denial. I know they're out there, mm -hmm. but that's also another component of grieving. Right, right. So I mean, that, that does happen, and I don't, I don't sit there and judge them. Yeah. Everybody's entitled. The other thing that people ask me is, well, how do you get people to talk to you? How that's, do you do that? That's what I was going to ask you. I wanted to back up to something you said, um, which is that um, you were talking about genuineness. And I know so many times people say, I don't know what to say. I know someone has lost someone. I don't know what to say. And if I heard you right, what you're saying is that maybe it doesn't matter as much what you say as it is how you are with them. Are you being genuine and open and caring? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's plenty of things to ask um, about how to do this. Uh, hospice has all kinds of literature on it, and it's good stuff to, to read. Um, but that's not... When you... No, when you're with somebody, you're yeah. not thinking about what words yeah. should I use, right? I, no, I'm not. What I, what I want to do, and we see this is something we've been working on in our institute for years, and that was being a professional psychologist, psychotherapist, coach, mentor, consultant, for a long time. I walk in a room and people get tense, and um, there are different ways that I have been a psychotherapist and psychologist. Over the years, I wasn't even aware of it, but mannerisms that I had, the way I talked to people, the way I was really interested, didn't exactly make them feel at ease. Um, I didn't do it on purpose. I now have been the recipient of people doing the same thing, and they'll look at me and go, and how are you today? I'll and tell you how, how do you I, react to that? Now, I'll tell you how I react to that is, I'm not telling you, and I'm not talking to you. Here's the way when people I know acted, I said, I used to do that. And you know what? People confronted me that I was making them pretty uptight, and they were right. Um, particularly when we were dealing with the Navy SEALs around there. It was like, yeah. hey, don't treat us like that. Yeah. We're, don't treat us like we're sick people. Um, we've been through rough times, and anybody who went through what we're going through, they'd be traumatized too. And they were right. So we've had a lot of years to learn how to destigmatize and soften people up and not emphasize the PhD, the, the knowledge we have, and be very interested in getting the pertinent information. And uh, we don't, I don't play that game anymore. I just don't. What I'm, what I'm interested in is being a fellow human being, coming alongside them, 
I don't want to pretend that I am superior to them in any way. So my compassion and my love comes from my own experience and my, and my heart. Um, I don't want to do anything that's going to make them uncomfortable. Even if I'm really interested, I don't want to start posing and performing and um, putting them being tense about it. Most of the people in town, when they call, some people they got to call me doctor. They just have to call me. I go, okay, but how about Peter? You can, that's okay too, you know. It's because I want to take that formalized stigma out of it. I want them to know that I'm just like them. We're human, even if they have flaws. I get it. I do too. If they're really serious, oh no, I have a lot of experience and knowledge, it's true. I am a coach, I am a mentor, I do have, I've written books, I've done a lot on trauma. And yes, I, I know a lot. And here's the thing, I don't need to use it unless it's really pertinent. I don't have to dig in there, I don't have to pretend that I'm really interested and I'd like to know this information. I let them know, hey, how you doing? And they'll ask me, I said, well for me, I'm, this is a better day. And I'll tell them the truth. I'll go, you know what? I go not. I go part of the day, ask me later, and I'll let you know, and I may give you a different answer. Because when we're grieving, it just takes different forms at different times. Sometimes, a lot of times, the truth is I'm doing quite well. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, one thing triggers off, and I am not. Mm -hmm. And it, that happens. So I, I, don't, I don't lie to them, and I don't. That's reminding me of Ruth. Do you remember Ruth? Our first social worker. Fantastic. Yeah. Ruth, Ruth was so sweet. And <laughs> she had lost a sister. Yeah. And she told me one time that she has a, another sister as well. And that when, um, when she was in grieving intensely, uh, her other sister would call and would say, How is today? And she said, That was just. The most helpful thing because it didn't ask her how are you or how is how are you all the time it was just how is today yeah and that's a person that has the empathy and understanding of a fellow human being who's grieving yeah. you know what I mean and that's it's such a different approach I, Ruth is lovely she's a nice person she put me uptight plenty of times the difference <laughs> was I go you know what Ruth you're putting you're making me uptight here you know we're we're peers, we're colleagues, we're fellow human beings, and I love you. So can you talk to me like a regular human being? And she does. And she, she did, right? And she'd laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny. But I, I have that ability to diffuse things, the truth. For, for, and uh, you give people permission. Mm -hmm. By your openness, you've said, it helps give them permission to be open. Right, right. I do. There are, I, I got to say, I know people out there that are so open, they're bleeding emotion and pain all over everybody. That's an indulgence at the expense of other people. Not to me, I, I, no, I don't do that. Right. Um, and I know people who do it, I know professionals do it, and I go, uh-uh, that is not openness. That's not caring, that's about, totally about you. And really, you're not healing anything, you're just kind of inflaming yeah. and keeping things going. And we call it emotional hemorrhaging. Yeah. That's not a healing thing to do, no. that's not empathetic, um, it's not selfless at all. Have we all done it at times? Of course. Sure. But think about that for a minute. Do I do? I, I don't. Um, but I can really be in pain, but not, not at another person's You're expense. You're not going to inflict it on somebody else. I won't. I also won't inflict my credentials on people. I won't inflict my experience on people. I won't 
perform like I'm really deeply concerned and how are you and can you give, now how is this affecting you today? Mm -hmm. That to me is loaded with intonations of stigma. Mm -hmm. And I would ask myself, does that person really care that talks like that? Mm -hmm. If they do, and someone would tell them to start talking like a fellow human being yeah. and not do that. Um, and to love your fellow human being, don't treat them like an object to, mm -hmm. to, to interview or to talk to. Mm -hmm. I know people do it. I, I, I know it. Yeah. If we've had a lot more experience, so we made so many of those mistakes that, you know, you're confronted enough to go, well, you know, after 10,000 hours of this stuff, you begin to correct. You start to remember. And yeah. you begin to see things that you've been doing. Yeah. And then you realize lots of people do it, yeah. but they don't have all the exposure that we do. No. no. So I think this is a time that a lot of people are going to learn some new things about how to get through this. And is it going to be a healing time? Yes. Yeah. Is it painless? No. No. You no. were you were telling me earlier this week that you went out to uh, where your horses are, and there was a nurse there who was really hurting, and more than one. More than one, and you were able to talk with them a little bit about what was going on with them. It was just another instance of what we're seeing happening to for so many people. Yeah, and they're caregivers, you know, and they're younger. But I'll be honest with you, you know, I don't approach it as doctor, and they would, they would. It's their training, and I, I diffuse it, and I, I talk to them in a different way, and I go, we're fellow professionals here, <coughs> and they'll talk about, I, one of the sisters, there were two sisters, and she says, you know, I just worked a shift, and I didn't sleep all night, and I just needed to come out here and do this, and I said, I get those kind of things, and you know what, to be honest with you, I got to work till 10 o'clock tonight, and yet I need to do this too, it just gives me time to decompress. We work some pretty rough hours, mm -hmm. and yes. so there's a camaraderie. There's a take it. In other words, taking that formality away from it, and showing an empathy, and also not, I can relate. Me too. So it's there's different ways to do this, and we need to learn them, mm -hmm. and also not look at your fellow man with suspicion as an object, mm. um, or to be someone who's to be interviewed or just not trusted. But what are you looking at there? You don't look at somebody who's hurting. Um, it can be. It's a very confusing time about the masking. That to me, it's not confusing. Mm, it's a relief. It's a relief. But I understand people are still. Fearful. I see it, and I look at them and go, "They don't need to do this." If you think I sit there and correct them, no. I don't. No. It's a free world. I go. In my mind, they can do whatever they want. I don't need to find out. I have a feeling about it. I know how I feel about it. I'm not going to do it, mm -hmm. and I'm greatly relieved. And obviously, they're frightened still. Mm -hmm. I respect that. Can I can that honor be, that. Right. Right. I don't need to find out the motivations behind it. I get there afraid. Yeah. And after what we've all been through, it's understandable. It's darn right it is. is. So <coughs> we're just closing in on the end of today. So you have to say you're the leader. We're put no. She's under a new challenge, <laughs> and that is at this institute. Even though you believe it, we have great competent people, incredible. But I'm the leader, and uh, I want. This is a very competent woman here, let me tell you. And I'm thrusting her into more leadership, and she's going to have to do this. Mm. She's a very, by the way, she'll do great. But I don't want to always be the center of everything, Jenny. We have other people, too. Yeah. yeah. They were all incredible. But anyway, go ahead, Jenny. Me? This is Jenny. I'm patronizing her. 
She's now the leader. <laughs> How does it feel, Jenny? How does it feel? Well, I could launch right into my closing spiel, but I don't think that's what you, you do. You do whatever want. you want. It's your life. All right, well, then let me wish you uh, a good trip. Peter is going to Florida and uh, will be gone for a couple of weeks. He needs a rest and uh, going to see his mom. And all the hospice workers and the health care of my 95-year-old mother. Right. And uh, take care. Thank you. I'd rather be here, to be honest with you, but it's time for me to go. Now that woman's gone, I, it's time for me to get out. And I've been putting off my 95-year-old mother while Lynn was dying. And um, my grief isn't over, but it's time to see my, my mother. My mother's a tough old lady. And good thing, she's yeah. still with you. Yeah, she's very much with it. Yeah. People tell and I, yeah. the hospice people there have been just like a, they're angels. Yeah. So I want to thank them. But yeah, I am going. So Jenny's in charge. There's other staff here. We go on whether Peter's here yes, or not. Yes, we are still here. And um, it gives them an opportunity, like her, <laughs> to take over and trust me. I've been through this before, and she's extraordinarily competent. Usually I just move out of the way and go, whoa, she's doing this as well as anybody, better than I can let her go. Okay, so I'll go and I'll say, thank you for joining us. The Survivor's Guide to Life podcast is brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, mm -hmm. a 501c3 public charity, uh, relies on donations. We'd love it if you'd support them at sctraumatreatment.org to help keep us on the air and on YouTube. We are on YouTube. We are on all the podcast outlets. Our website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. You can reach Peter and I at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at bernsteininstitute.com. I think I remembered everything. You can reach other people here, too. You can please give us feedback. You can reach other people, and we will join you. Hope you join us next time.